Anyway, if you have your Bible, Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23, verse number 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody said, today we continue to delve into verse number two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives me so much peace that even in the midst of all of the unrest of life, I can still rest well. He gives me a peace that passes all understanding that causes me to defy the circumstances and sleep like a baby anyway. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject, what's bugging you? What's bugging you? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, would you speak powerfully, profoundly, and poignantly to every single person? Would you minister by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit to every heart? We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. What's bugging you? Look at your neighbor and ask him. Say, what's bugging you? Come on, have a little fun in church. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you understand that in order for sheep to rest, they need to be free from, from four things, right? We said they need to be free from their enemies, from interherd conflict, from irritants, and free from hunger. They must know that they're safe from wolves, from one another, free from flies and gnats and mosquitoes, have their belly full and their thirst quenched. Problem is, sheep can't get free of any one of those things on their own. They need their shepherd. Like sheep, We can only find rest for our soul in one place, and that is the good shepherd of our soul, Jesus Christ. Like sheep, we are dependent on his reliable care. But especially in the summertime, sheep can be driven to extreme distraction from flies. I mean, the flies really become an irritant to them, and they they stand up, and they stomp their feet, and they they shake, and they run over into the bush to, to scratch on all of the bushes because they're literally tormented by the pests. And it's only through the good and intentional and watchful care of their shepherd who is looking out for the signs that they are being bothered by pests that he can then go and take care of them and treat them and give them insecticides and all those kind of things to make sure that despite the pest, they can get some rest. We often find our rest being disturbed by the little things in life that constantly mount up traffic in the morning and in the evening, have to wait for our fast food. Oh, that's irritating. A spouse that leaves the toilet seat up or the lights on her never closes the cabinets or the drawers. Anybody have a spouse like that? A spouse that is maybe messy or a child that is messy or an unkind comment by a stranger or the endless to-do list that there's never enough time to do. The keys or the wallet that we cannot find that irritates us and the older you get, it's in your pocket most of the time. The little things. That bug us, the bad hair day, the frustrating conversations, the list goes on and on. Matter of fact, just this past Father's Day, I had one of these kind of days. 
where the little things just absolutely bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. It was a wonderful day. Started off great. Church in the morning is the best way to start off a day. Church on Sunday. Sundays are for Jesus and football. Right? Didn't you give me a t-shirt like that? Sundays are for Jesus. So I started the day with Jesus in church and I ordained my kids last week. If you were here or watched online, it was a wonderful day. And my parents who I hadn't seen in over a year because of COVID came up to spend the weekend with us. And so on Father's Day, I got to be with my father, not just be celebrated as a dad, but get to spend time with my dad. And so everything was wonderful. We had a great meal. And then after the meal was over, I decided that I was going to run to the hardware store to change out one of the hoses. My mother law lives with us and she doesn't like the heavy hoses. And so I said, being a good son-in-law, I'm going to go to the hardware store. I'm going to get one of those retractable hoses, you know, the real light ones. You just, you know, turn it on, let the water out. The thing just puts itself away, you know? So I'm going to just go do that for her. And so I go to the hardware store. It's five minutes from my house. My dad is riding with me. I'm thinking we'll just run in there. Five minutes, get the hose, get back, hook it up. It'll be great. Well, I go there and the road's closed. No big deal. So I asked the guy, you know, the construction worker, I said, I said, how do I get to the hardware store? He said, just go around the other end. And so no problem. I just drove around to the other side. Get to the other side, and sure enough, it's closed on that side. I'm like, Dad, didn't he just tell us go to the other side there? Yeah, that's what he said. And so I asked the guy on that side. I said, how do I get to the hardware store? He said, well, just go back through the mobile. There's a back way in. If you go back through the mobile, you just, just drive up there, you'll see it. And so I go to the mobile. And I go to the mobile, and I'm driving, and there's no back way in. So I get out of the car and I ask the mobile attendant. I said, is there a back way into the mobile store here? He looked at me like I had five heads. I got to know what I was talking about. So by this time, I'm getting a little irritated. I mean, I'm driving around and around. So I go back to the guy who told me to go to the mobile. And I said, hey, I just went to the mobile. There's no back way in over there. How do I get to the hardware store? And he says, well, if you go to the other side where it's closed and you tell the guy you want to go to the hardware store, he'll let you down the street. I had just told him that. So I go back to the other side, and I say to the guy, listen, I need to get into the hardware store. He said, I'm sorry, I can't let you in. Now I need to get this hose, right? And so I'm there's got to be a back way, and so we drive around and drive around and drive around. And this five-minute drive to the hardware store, which is right down the street from my house, takes me 30 minutes. Finally, I find a back way in, but it wasn't through the mobile. It was through the subway. I don't know why he didn't say subway. I mean, why is it mobile, subway, two different stores? Anyway, I found the back way in, go into the hardware store, get the retractable holes. I wanted 100 feet. They only had 75 feet. I was like, 75 feet is going to have to do. I get back to the house. Now, it was real humid. I know if you remember last week, but it was real humid. Just had taken a shower, you know, and so I figured I'll go over to the hose connection, pull off the old hose, you know, it was on one of them reels, and I'll just put the new one on there. Five seconds, it'll be all done. Well, I get there, and the connection is so tight, I can't open it with my hands. No big deal. So I go back into the shed. Shed was right there. And I get me a little vice grip. You know, I get a vice grip and a monkey wrench. I got, the, you know, the two of them together. I figured, hold one, spin with the other, you know. And I'm telling you, man, I am, I am just pushing with everything that I had, and this thing won't open. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And, you know, so I go back, I get some WD-40, and I spray it on there. And I'm like, I'm getting this thing off. And, I mean, I am straining. By this time, I am sweating profusely because it's so humid out. And I'm getting really, can I say pissed off in church? I'm getting really pissed off. I mean, just, just really, really, I mean, I'm just like, I'm sweating. I got to take another shower. I'm like, this is crazy. And this five minute trip with a five minute hose change turns into like 90 minutes of profuse sweating. 
I am really irritated. Don't look at me in that tone of voice because you know this kind of stuff happens to you all the time. We let these little things. And I missed 90 minutes of wonderfulness. A beautiful day. 90 minutes of time with my, with my father, although he was kind of with me the whole time. And uh, he was just chilling. I'm like, come on, help me. You know? <laughs> and 90 minutes missed. Missed the moment because of the little things that are bugging us. So I ask you the million-dollar question for today. What's bugging you? That's causing you to miss out on the blessed rest that the Savior wants to give you in your life. What small things are you allowing to get underneath your skin, to get in your heart, to run around and ruminate in your mind that is stealing your rest? David understood the power of small things and the antidote for how to ensure that we don't let the small things steal our rest. He understood from both a shepherd's point of view, but also from somebody who is being cared for by the shepherd of our soul, Jesus Christ. And perhaps when David was thinking about the impact of small things and how to overcome them, he was thinking about what I would consider to be one of or the most popular moment in David's life. And I want to look at that with you for a moment. First Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 17. It said, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an epith of this dried grain and ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them to me. Now Saul and they that had, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with his keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array army against army. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. And so David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. And the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. And he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. This is one of those big Bible stories, isn't it? 
The setup is the showdown between David and Goliath. In the text, we find that David up to this point has been overshadowed by his big brothers. He is part, who are participating in this big battle against a big opponent who boasts a big champion named Goliath. But against this backdrop of such big details, we find this small, seemingly insignificant errand that becomes the catalyst to everything that happens next. David is asked, and I like to say it like this, to take pizza on the battlefield, to the battlefield for his brothers. It was bread and cheese. And for me, that's pizza right there, right? Or see the provolone and Italian bread, which is equally as good. Put a little olive oil on there, you're good to go, right? But he's, he's running this small, insignificant errand. Now, the text is meaningful to us because we understand how it ends up. But put yourself in David's shoes and you can understand how it would be easy for David to become aggravated or bugged by having to run this errand. It's a mundane, insignificant, small errand. And by the way, most of our days are not filled with the spectacular. Most of our days are not filled with, you know, the things that are just wonderful. Most of our days are filled with routine and small and insignificant and things that we consider mundane. And so you can put yourself in David's shoes and you can see how this boy who was anointed to be king could feel about being the one who's got to bring the pizza to his brothers. He could have said, he could have been so bugged that he could have said, well, why is my father always sending me to do these things? And why do I always have to do the things that are insignificant that nobody else wants to do? Why do they get to fight in battle? Why do I have to do, do uh, tend to the sheep? Why do I have to bring them lunch? Why do I have to? Did, did he see Samuel anoint me as Israel's next king? This is beneath me. David could have felt like that. It seemed inconsequential to David. But to God, it was a big thing. Can I remind you that the good shepherd of our soul, Jesus Christ, takes note of the little things. The Bible says not one hair on your head is not numbered to God. Jesus was the one who said, look at that widow woman. She threw two mites into the offering. Two mites, Jesus noticed. Jesus said, bring the little children to me, for such does the kingdom of heaven belong. He said, anyone who brings a cup of cold water in my name is a true disciple. Matter of fact, listen to the message version. This is a large work I've called you to, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. In a world and a culture that revolves or looks for the big things, big houses, big cars, big jobs, big bank accounts, big portions. In a world that revolves around the big, God send us, sends us this countercultural message. And God says, it's really not the big where the power is. It's the small where the power is. And it's those small things that steal our rest. Song of Songs says it this way. Take us the foxes, the little foxes. They spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes. The little things, the little foxes, that's what spoils our rest. That's what causes us to miss out on moments that are far more important. And in a story which appears to be about big things, 
God says it's really about a little thing that made a big difference in David's life. He brought pizza to his brothers, and his life was forever changed. Pastor, what do we see? How do we, how can we get over or overcome the stuff that's bugging us, the small things, so that we can have that sweet rest, that rest that surpasses and passes all understanding? Three things I want to give you. Number one, I want you to see small things as boot camp for big things. Small things as boot camp for big things. Great people don't just do great things great. They more importantly do small things great. It is a standard that they hold themselves to at all times. Greatness doesn't start when the lights come on. It starts based on what you do when nobody's watching, when nobody is inspected, when the only standard is the one you set for yourself. It is the gym time that LeBron and Jordan put in before game time that makes them great. It is the practice that the pianist does and puts in before their piano concertos. It is the hours of study and practice that great orators put in before they utter a word in public. It is not the big things that make people successful. It's the little things. Someone said success is when preparation meets opportunity. Are you ready? Because you practiced on the small things. Branch Rickey said it this way. I pr- the more I practice, the luckier I get. To God, the errands you run and the other small things you do are boot camp for the big things he has in store for you. If you're not faithful over the little things, I promise you, God will not make you faithful over big things. And here's the thing about God's boot camp. He doesn't warn you about the significance of the small things that are about to set you up for the big things. God didn't tell David, if you deliver the pizza with a good attitude, if you deliver the pizza as though you're doing it onto me, that it's going to be a door for your destiny. David gets no warning, and God doesn't even directly tell him. God uses, listen to me carefully, his parent to give him the small errand. I want you to know, I know we got too many young people here, but when your parents tell you to do something, guess what it is? It's boot camp. It's boot camp. And parents, just like you expect your kids to do it with a good attitude, when God asks you to do something, he expects you to do it with a good attitude. See, David was asked not by God, but by his father. And you might have missed that because we are not performing for people. How we do what we do is not based on who asks us to do it. The scripture says, whatever you do, do it heartily. as unto the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord, from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. David wasn't taking pizza to his brothers or because his father asked him to. David was taking pizza to Jesus. Matter of fact, every time you do something small, your attitude should be, I'm doing this as on to the Lord. When I was in high school, I was about 17 at the time. I had a few different jobs. One of them was delivering pizza for Domino's Pizza. I hated the job. It was so humiliating. You had to wear the stupid Domino's whole outfit and everything like that. Domino's hat, the domino orange and whatever colors they have and everything. Put the big Domino sign on your car. It didn't look good on my fine Mustang GT. 
I mean, it was just making the whole thing look so uncool. And when I was in high school, I had an image to protect. I was the prom prince. I was a sports star. I mean, I can't be caught wearing this kind of stuff, putting a Domino's sign up on my Mustang. And as much as I hated it, I did it. And one day I had to deliver pizza to the mall of all places. I'm like, why are people ordering pizza to the mall? Go to the food court in the mall. Get you some Sparrows over there. I know why there's a Sparrows in every mall, but there is, right? Sure enough, I got to deliver Domino's pizza. And my plan was, I said, I, can't, I cannot do this. Because I know my, I'm going to see somebody. My, my friends are bound to be there. And so my plan was just run in as quick as I could, you know, put the pizza like close to my face so nobody would think that it was me, you know, run in, deliver the pizza, run out. Hopefully nobody will see me. And sure enough, I walk through the doors and what do I hear? Domino's boy! Are you kidding me? Loud! Who was it? A bunch of my friends. Man, it was so humiliating. But do you know what I believe? God was watching. Do you know what I believe? That even then, it was boot camp for the big things that God had in store. God wanted me to see. He wanted me to get some practice on dealing with humiliating things. Because sometimes you have to make yourself a fool for Christ. And part of the reason why people don't ever experience the big things that God has is because they're not willing to lower themselves in certain situations and placings for God to move in their life. God was watching. He was watching how I did my job and whether I did it, got there on time and did it with excellence. The little things are practice. They are boot camp for the big things. God was watching David deliver that pizza. It was his boot camp. God didn't want warned him, didn't tell him, didn't give him a heads up, but he was training him and he was training God, David all along on the small things. When he was tending sheep, training. When he was singing psalms, when nobody was listening in, there was no stage training. When he went up against the lion, training. The bear, training. When he delivered pizza, training. It was training. Listen to me. The next level is not dependent upon what God wants to give you. Because it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. The next level is dependent upon what you are ready for God to give you. I remember just a few short months ago, I was complaining about ministry. Just to my wife. You know, not out in the open. One of the things I never did is complain about ministry to my kids. Never wanted them to have a bad rap about ministry. I was complaining to my wife and I was bellyaching about all the follow-up I have to do. And the 10 times I have to tell people to do the same thing over and over and over and over. It's like, it's like I should just get a player, a tape, you know, a tape recorder. They even have them these days or, you know, a voice recorder and just record it the first time and just hit play and just hit play and just hit play and just hit play. And I am just so getting frustrated. I mean, haven't we had this conversation before? Just call me Pete because all I do is repeat myself. (laughs) And I'm getting frustrated. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, you're complaining now at this level. So you can't handle things here. What makes you think you can handle the things at the place I want to take you to? So cut it out and change your attitude because you're holding me up. Because you're holding me up. You know what that means? That means God had bigger. 
God has bigger. God has better. God has the next thing. But God was trying to tell me, you need to get ready for it. This is training ground. This is boot camp. Friends, new level, new devil. If you can't handle the devil in the small things, you're not ready for the big devil that shows up in the big things. God has to build your PQ. What is your PQ? It's your pressure quotient. Because bigger things have bigger pressure. Small things are a boot camp for the big things. How does that help me? Helps me not to be overwhelmed by the little things. Helps me to t- helps me to know God's watching how I handle this. God wants to see if I complain. God wants to see what my attitude looks like. God wants to see how I treat people. God is watching all these things in the little things. The little things are God's way of just training us. But then number two, if you're going to overcome the little things, if you're going to get over being bugged so you can have rest, you need to see yourself as a byproduct and a conduit of small destiny-defining events. What if David said no to his father? No, I ain't doing it. The kids today actually think they can say no and get away with it. Back in the day, if you told my mother no, that wouldn't be a good look right there. My mother would just be like, not my dad, my mom would give me it. And if my dad gave the look, it was all over. Forget it, right? What if he said no? What if he showed up late? What if he overslept? You see, God has it timed, had it timed that at the precise moment that David showed up with the pizza, Goliath was talking smack. If David didn't show up on time, perhaps by the time he arrived there, Israel would have already conceded. Israel would have already been taken captive. Maybe there wouldn't have been a battle to open a door for David's destiny. Half the battle is showing up. Half the battle is being dependable. Half the battle is being available. 90% of ability is availability. Contrary to popular belief. God's not looking for the smartest, the sharpest, the most talented, the best looking, the most capable. Here's the reason why God's not looking for that. It's because God can make you all of those things. God doesn't need you to be all of those things. God can, he's the one that gives you wisdom. He's the one that gives you strength. And his anointing will even make ugly people look good. I'm telling you, it's amazing what God will do. But what God can't do is God can't choose for you. He has divinely given you free will so you can make your own choices. 90% of ability is availability. Half the battle is showing up. David's success is the byproduct of a series of interconnected little things. He was faithful over those sheep. He didn't catch an attitude when he was overlooked. When his father called in all the brothers except for him. He took that pizza down there, I believe, with the right heart. He fought that lion. He fought that bear. He practiced with his slingshot. He sang praise to God in his personal life. He showed up on time. He was dependable. David's success is a byproduct of a series of little things that mounted up into one big thing. Your destiny is connected to the small things in life. Not to the big things. The big things will come when you're ready. But David is not just a byproduct of the small destiny decisions he made. 
He was the result of others who were a conduit to his destiny because of the small decisions that they made. It's not until David defeats Goliath that we understand how his great, 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 great grandmother Ruth and why she had to go with her mother-in-law Naomi. It's not until David becomes who David is that we understand why they lost their husbands, why they lived through a famine, why they went to another land. It's because in that other land, Ruth was destined to meet Boaz and Ruth and Boaz got together, gave birth to Obed and Obed gave birth to Jesse and Jesse was the father of David. Had it not been for them handling the small decision, where should I live? We should pray about everything. We should lift everything up to God. God, is this what you, every decision is a decision for us to prove ourselves ready for the next level. And by the way, God was working something for David years before David even existed. We are not just the byproduct of our own small destiny-defining decisions. We are the byproduct of other people who were a conduit to our destiny by the decisions that they managed well. And I want you to know when you understand that that is providence. Providence is what God does before and when you don't even know he's doing it. And providence will help you to even make sense out of the nonsensical things in life. They didn't understand what good could come out of them losing their husbands. Naomi didn't understand what good would come out of her losing her children. They didn't know why they had to live through a famine. But years later... And I want you to know sometimes it takes years. But looking at yourself through the eyes of providence as a byproduct and a conduit of the destiny decisions that people make helps you to say, God, I don't necessarily understand it all right now. But I'm going to rest because I understand how you work. And then lastly, lastly today, if you're going to get over what's bugging you, I want you to understand the dichotomy of the small. What is the dichotomy of the small? The devil uses small things to steal our rest. God uses small things to set us up for his best. Let me say it again. The devil uses small things to steal our rest. God uses them to set us up for his best. The same errand, bring pizza to your brothers, is being manipulated by both God and the devil. The devil is trying to get under David's skin. Even though I don't believe David bit on what the devil was selling, I know he was selling. Look at you, Aaron boy. I thought you said Samuel anointed you to be the next king. Look at you. You're just taking pizza to your brothers. Nobody cares about you. Nobody recognizes you. He's trying to manipulate the small event because it's a door to his destiny. The door that God was giving him in order to defeat Goliath and become king. The same small thing being manipulated by two forces. Have you ever noticed that? The small things will cause you to hear two different voices. The voice of the enemy, which will get you upset. Or the voice of God saying, it's no big deal. Take it in stride. Don't worry, you can handle it. And in the process of manipulating this event, not only does he manipulate the Aaron, but he uses his elder brother to make him feel small. 
Eliab comes up to David, and you remember what he says. He said, what you doing here on the battlefield? I know why you're down here. I know the insolence of your heart. I know you came down here because you're nosy. And who have you left those little sheep with? What is he trying to do? He's trying to make David, who was called and born to be king, feel small. Don't let the voice of others make you feel small. How do you overcome the small things or others trying to make you feel small you don't go by what they say you go by what you heard the whole story hinges on what David heard when David got down to the battlefield he heard Goliath mouthing off and that pushed him into action well what what herd do I go by who do I whose voice do I listen to you go by what you heard from the savior the scripture says my sheep know my voice and another man's voice they will not follow don't go by what they say go by what you heard from the saviors other will make you feel small but the shepherd will make you feel special when the shepherd shows up everybody feels special Every sheep feels like they're the one that he would leave the 99 for and go after. When the shepherd shows up, he knows everybody by name. And the shepherd has a specific voice. His voice is the voice of encouragement, of hope, of validation. The voice that reminds you of who you are, not what you're not. The voice that says, go slay that giant. The voice that says you are made for this moment. The voice that says it's your time. The voice that says you've been faithful over little. Now you'll be ruler over much. And when you go by what you heard instead of what they say, you will believe what you need to believe in order to win the battles you must face. And what you believe will wind up defying what you see. Because what David heard them say should have scared the tar out of David. Because Goliath was big. But David didn't go by what they said. He, he went by what he heard from the shepherd. And so he believed what he needed to believe to win the battle. He believed God would come through. He believed that God was a bear slayer and a lion tamer and a giant killer. He believed that God was with him. He believed that God's power would show up. He believed that he wouldn't fight alone. He believed he was an overcomer. He believed that what it looked like wasn't going to be what it winds up being. He believed that greater is he that was in him. He believed that he didn't need to act like someone else or use Saul's armor. That he was more than enough. He believed that God would provide. He left the house without any weapons but God told him go down to a brook and he picked up five stones and he went into battle with what God provided. He believed that what God provided would not only be enough but more than enough because he went in with five but he only had to use one. See when you believe the voice of your shepherd You will believe what you need to believe to win the battles that you must face. I want to close with this thought. Do you know the whole story gives us a picture that the power is in the small? David's scholars say was four foot ten to five feet. Goliath's scholars say Nine feet. Almost twice his size. 
This is the message of the story. Small things are where the power is. His strength is made perfect in weakness. God likes to use small things so his big power gets magnified. The dichotomy of the small. The devil uses them to steal our rest. God uses them to set us up for his best. This week, tomorrow, we have our New York City worship experience where we launch a whole new work in New York City. Monday, last Monday, the venue calls us and said, we can't host the event. Monday, we've got people registered from all over the place. We spent thousands of dollars on advertising. We can't do it here. We'll do it for you in July. We'll do it for you in August. We'll, we'll let you have it here every single week from September on, but we can't do it for you this week. Sorry, you have to find another. Not even can you give us a smaller room. In your, we just can't do it. It bugged me. Matter of fact, it bugged me so much, it caused me and Pastor Ronald to stress eat. Anybody else stress eat around here? Some of y'all should have said yes because I'm looking at y'all right now. <laughs> but you know what that small thing caused? It caused us to get bounced around to a bigger venue. A venue that doesn't hold 375, but a venue that seats 700 and what standing room holds up to 900. And both of the venues, both of the services are almost packed out right now. We had to get bounced from the little place so that God could do the big thing he was going to. But we had a choice. We could have let it bug us and steal our rest or we could have pressed into God and said, God, you got this. We're not going to go by what we see. We're going to go by what you said. And you said go in there. And you said shake New York City. So we're believing you, God. You have a choice. Let the little things bug you. And let the devil use them to steal your rest. Or let the little things set you up for God's best. The sum of the whole story is a small boy killed a big giant. The giant that he killed changed everything in his life. And the whole thing revolved around a simple request. Will you take pizza to your brother's? I don't know why I feel the Holy Ghost saying this right now. Will you serve every now and again in church? Will you show up on time for the house of God? It's amazing how when you break it down to the simple, to the small, you can see why certain people and other people It's not that God loves one less than the other. It's that God sees the faithfulness in the small things, in the small things. Goliath was insulted that God would send such a small thing for such a big job. But that's how God did it. And I know I said that wrong, but I said it right. That's how God did it. God sends the small thing so that he can put his big power 
on our small thing. Even the fact that David did not show up with his own sword is a little thing that made a big difference. Why? Because if he showed up with his own sword, he would have never had the pleasure of taking Goliath's head off with Goliath's own sword. God will use the little things that the devil sent to steal your rest, to set you up for his best. The whole story is about being faithful in the little things so you can be made ruler over much. So I ask again, what's bugging you? What's underneath your skin right now? What's got you all in a tizzy? So that you can't have a peace that passes all understanding. God said, I'm watching you. I'm watching you.